0: Welcome back to the Love Your Story podcast. Today we're talking with Austin Hansen. What does he do? Well, let me introduce you to the Iditarod Trail Invitational. This is the world's longest running winter ultra marathon. And this is one of the most challenging experiences on the planet. Participants have to brave extreme physical and environmental and mental challenges. As they travel along the historic Iditarod Trail and they can use bicycle or they can go on foot or skis, but the trail definitely requires self-sufficiency and considerable resilience to make it through up to 30 frozen days and nights. The Iditarod Trail Invitational has built its reputation on notoriously inhospitable conditions and minimal outside support. So this is a real feat of mental and physical stamina. For its participants, the Iditarod Trail Invitational is really a measure of human willpower like no other, which I can absolutely just imagine, but I would never submit myself to it. So I'm interested to hear Austin's story. On today's show, he is here A man who was not only invited, but succeeded in completing the Iditarod Trail Invitational 350 this year in 2021. That's 350 miles of self-sustained, snow-laden torture in my book. (laughs) Stay tuned to hear about his adventure, the reasons he does it, and what he's learned. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story Podcast. I'm Lori Lee and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Austin Hanson has spent the last five years running marathons. He's done 15 marathons, eight ultras, and three full triathlons. But this year, he took a giant step into winter ultra marathons. And I want to start this out with a quote from Michelle Obama. She said, quote, the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work for them, unquote. Austin Hansen, you have been willing to work, and we want to hear about it. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. How are we doing? Hey, good. How are you doing? How long ago did you finish this 350 mile invitational?
1: So it's been about a month now, so I might be a little bit shady on some of the details or might <laughs> fabricate some of the details, I guess, but uh, for the most you part, it's get definitely you get implicit in my mind. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Whenever you go through torture, you get to you get to fabricate and, well, that's that's the nature exactly. of any adventure, right? After you're done, yes. it gets even bigger.
1: Exactly.
0: So who are you? Where do you come from and how did you get into this ultra winter marathon?
1: Yeah, so uh, like you said, I've been running for five years, so I'm relatively new to the sport. Most people grow up if they're runners, they run their whole life, but I've really only been running for the last five, six years. Um, how old are you? I'm 26 years old and I'm from a small town, a rural blue collar work town in Clarkston, Washington, um, known as the LC Valley. I grew up playing sports like football. I have four brothers, one sister. So it's a rough household playing basketball in the backyard, fouling each other, getting in fights. So uh, very different from the running world. And uh, my father, he bought a farm when I was in seventh grade. I learned the value of hard work, working on the farm with my father and my brothers. After my I graduated high school, I served a mission in the Philippines. I lived in the Philippines for two years. And ironically, and I'm going to throw this in, this is kind of a weird, I guess it ties back into the story of Alaska, but when I was living in the Philippines, there's this can of uh, milk that it's called Alaska man milk. And it has this blonde kid that looks just like me on it. While I was serving my mission everywhere I went, everyone would call me Alaska man. (laughs) And so it's kind of weird thing. And I had no connections to Alaska up to this point and just grew up in this competitive, fun household, I guess, subjective or subconsciously, it went into my mind of Alaska, Alaska. And I had a friend that was living in Alaska at the time. And so I was always kind of curious about Alaska. And
0: it was foreshadowing and the story.
1: Exactly. It's a
0: foreshadow that keeps popping up.
1: That's what I'm saying. I, looking back in hindsight, 2020, it's like, wow, that was really foreshadowing. But at the time, it was nothing. People would just call me Alaska. man. I was like, OK, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I get back 2016. um, I serve my mission 2013, 2015. Get back in 2016 and I moved to the University of Utah to start school. I really didn't know what to do physically with my life because I had just come off a mission where I didn't really exercise a whole lot and I was done playing sports and it was time to focus on school. So I really didn't know what to do with myself. And I had two friends, they're actually my brother's friends growing up, best friends. Freddie Arnone, Mitch Carey. They were doing these things called Ironmans and they invited me to do one. And of course I'm like, yeah, let's do it. I had no idea what they were. <laughs> and then I'd go and find out, hey, it's a, hunter, you know, it's a two point, it's a two mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, 26.2 mile run. And I had never run more than four or five miles in my life up to this point. You know, I'm a, I'm a heavy lift football player. and So did you uh, do it? Could yeah, you do the I, Ironman? Of course. I, I, uh, <laughs> I got home and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, then I found out what it was about. And I was like, well, I really got to train. And I got on this strict training plan. My friend and those friends sent me a bunch of training plans. I signed up for a marathon three months away. And my little brother, Blake, was starting to get into running. He was deciding he wanted to run a marathon at the time. So I signed up for another marathon back to back. This is all within three months of getting home from my mission in the Philippines, not running at all. Very I, love your,
0: sh- I love your energy and your attitude. Like, <laughs> this isn't scary. This is like, yeah, let's do another one.
1: Yeah, very out of shape. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. I can do it uh, if other people can do it. So I ran the Utah Valley Marathon. It was like June one week later i was in seattle with my little brother running the seattle marathon so i did back-to-back weekends and then one month after that i did an ironman in california and so you exactly the endurance uh sport really jumped onto me and i fell in love with it really quick it was a way to get back in shape number one and number two it really bled into other areas of my life it was like opening a whole new world to me when i got into uh This endurance sport. I was like, wow! I never even knew that this is what it was about. I saw these cross country runners in high school, and I'm like, yeah, that does not look fun. Running, that looks (laughs) awful. But you know, it's crazy how much your body goes through these changes when you decide to do things and uh, take on the the perspective that it's an adventure.
0: Well, you know, I was reading a book just this past week, and one of the quotes in it that, and I'm not getting this exact, but it said. The people who are successful are the ones who have just a solid sense of who they are and they will go after, you know, whatever they want, whatever supports them. I'm I'm hearing that from you because the things that you've done really require a lot of stamina and that's physical and mental stamina. And you say, oh, well, if other people can do it, I can do it too. I love that. I love that. And you just decide, you know, let's go try some things. Let's, I I believe that I can do it. And truly that story that we tell ourselves about our abilities and whether something is like you say, an adventure, just a mindset of an adventure or whether it's torture or where, you know, however we perceive it is really going to be how it manifests for us. So I I love your attitude.
1: Definitely. And I, uh, I agree with that. Like, I love to set goals, I guess. And Uh, things that excite me like you were saying and it's so yeah
0: speaking of goals what does it take to qualify for the Iditarod yeah
1: to qualify for the Iditarod you have to do they have a list of 100 mile winter ultra marathons uh, like a selected list um, but you have to complete two of them and so I completed the Susitna 100 and I completed uh, it was a Wyoming 100 that was brand new and it was pretty crazy it's called the Drift a lot of elevation change, but they're both winter ultras, hundred milers that I completed. Are those
0: hiking? Are those running in the snow?
1: Yep. So it's the same thing, uh, ultra running. However you want to do it, you can run, (laughs) you can run, walk, you know, it's just survive and uh, complete the race within a certain amount of time. Usually it's like 45 hours is kind of the cutoff. So you do have to do quite a bit of running, but most of the time it's fast paced
0: hiking. Okay. So then if you do two of those, do they come to you to invite you or do you like submit an application and say, hey, I'm interested?
1: Yeah. So uh you do submit an application and then they get quite a few applicants after they go through all their applicants, then they send back an invite. You so submit. they look at they
0: look at your times and that kind of thing and see if exactly. You can do yep. people ever die on this trail? <laughs> uh I I don't think that there anyone has I'm sure there
1: has, you know. 350 dying, miles
0: yeah on the Alaskan yeah. wilderness by yourself unsupported
1: yeah and
0: what about <laughs> wolves and bears and I
1: mean they're, they're oh yeah that definitely there's uh moose everywhere you're in moose country yeah you know bears are mostly hibernating wolves you get a lot of tracks but you're in moose country and, and wolf country for sure everywhere
0: did that tracks. did that scare you at all that's it didn't
1: scare me uh just because you hear things every year is different and what i mean by that is if it's a harsh winter the moose and animal are going to be crazier and uh, it'll be more dangerous this last winter was a good winter and so i heard that oh the animals are calmer and so i was i was not nervous about that and you know you hear things and i hadn't heard of anyone being attacked i've heard of people having a lot of encounters with moose and i saw two moose out there but um they were off trail and um, of course you get your your eyes are peeled and on you know you're on a swivel 100% of the time
0: Okay so I pushed you forward a little bit let's go back to you submit your application so you did a couple of 100 snow ultra marathon winter races Wyoming and another one in Alaska right
1: Correct yep
0: So then you submit it to the um, to the Iditarod Trail Invitational and you get accepted, what did that feel like? Were you like, holy shit, I, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> exactly. or, were you, or were you like, yeah, let's do this. And and how much of what you expected, was it actually like that?
1: So that's a great question.
0: So I kind of had
1: my idea. I wanted to do this race ever since my first winter ultra, this in the susitna 100. You talk to a lot of people when you're on the trail and all I heard about was this crazy race. They're like this uh, ITI, and so there's a lot of chatter about it and these legends that have completed it in certain amount of times, like Dave Johnson, who just ran without sleeping the whole time and set the record for the time. And uh, so these stories are just like crazy, and you hear these stories, and um, so I was like, yeah, I, I want to do that, and I want to have that experience. And so I had it in my mind I wanted to do it, and yeah, I just applied and wasn't thinking that I'd get it. And then I got this letter back that says, um, Hey, you've been accepted to this race. And I was like, wow, just like you said, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: uh, what did you expect it to be like?
1: I don't know exactly what I was expecting. I had done two, Susitna one hundreds in Alaska. So I'd run in Alaska before. So I was expecting it to be a little bit like that with more mountains. And I was kind of right. Because it does cross over some of the Susitna trail. I actually ran on the Susitna River and then you hit the mountain range and you go up and over the mountains and back. And it was kind of similar to what I expected, but at the same time on on a whole nother level of I'm not gonna sleep and I'm gonna drag you through hell and back. So did you
0: use bicycles
1: or skis? No, I, I was on foot. Okay. So there's there's three events. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, so you can't just do whatever you want, you have to choose an event.
1: Yes, correct. So you, okay. and you have to qualify for that specific event. So okay. there's three with winter ultras. Uh, it's kind of a whole different. It's a sub sport within the ultra running community. Um, you pull your own gear in a sled behind you. You choose to run, bike, or ski. I was in the running. And so with that, you create your own sled. You're responsible for GPS survival gear. And everything the whole whole nine yards so, so did
0: did you have any mishaps? did you mispack or was did anything happen that was unexpected?
1: You know when you're out there, you wish you would have packed certain things I overpacked water like i was I packed like five gallons of water and it was just so heavy and I ended up just throwing out some water and a lot of rookie mistakes, I should say. Hey, <laughs> and live and
0: learn like anything, right?
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: So what was it like on the trail, like emotionally and mentally when you're out there for that many miles and you're by yourself, do you ever interact with the other runners or, and is it freaky when you stop and sleep at night and you're just out there in the cold? I mean, what's it like?
1: Yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting. Half the time I was probably by myself. Half the time I was running with people. When you're out there on the trail, it's just you and you for the most part, <laughs> you and your mind. and I think that's the biggest challenge of any ultra marathon is uh, it's not the brutalness of the conditions, which are insane. And it's not the hardness of the trail. It's, it's you and your mind, the remoteness of it. That is, that is the challenge for me. I enjoy that. I've always enjoyed time alone and I have a very active stimulating mind that just uh, I'm constantly just thinking. And I think that's part of the reason that makes me successful at these ultras is, I I can think and create things, and um, you don't
0: get bored. I don't get bored. (laughs) You you do get
1: bored. It's the (laughs) mundane things, you know. It's repetitive, Uh, but that's part of the things you learn when you're out there is how to um, entertain your mind because that's the biggest battle is fear, boredom, and distractions. But I mean, you're obviously not distracted out there. You get bored and fear the two uh, two biggest things that you're battling against. And fear is not a thing because you literally have this goal of where you're going you're not thinking of anything else moose it doesn't matter you're you're locked on this target you're like i got to go forward and if i if i don't i'm dead and uh, i'm i'm getting tired and wobbling on the trail having these sleepwalks and so you're not really fear is not a thing too bad out there because you have this goal you're moving forward but boredom's definitely you're doing this mundane thing so you have to find a way to entertain your mind, and that's the biggest challenge. You're it's just you and you out there.
0: How do you learn to do that? Because I ride now uh, probably a century a summer on my road bike, and I get to about like mile 72, and I am so bored. I'll just like I'll start, I'll just take off and ride home. I don't even <laughs> that's like, hilarious. Oh, here's a turnoff, I'll just ride home. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's great. Well, or sad, but anyway, that the idea of, yeah, of that mind control of, I don't know, being entertaining enough that you don't get bored and ride home.
1: Yeah. I, Do yeah, you train for that? Definitely. It's not something that you can just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to overpower willpower with my mind. No, that's not how it is. You know, you definitely train for it and you build up your, your endurance, your mental endurance. And eventually it comes to a point where everything's kind of a game when you're out there and, and that's, I think the, the biggest trick is to make it fun and thinking different different games that you make with your mind and, uh, you know, your mind goes through high highs and low lows. Do
0: you get cold? I mean, it's all over the place with these questions, but yeah. you're running, so you're expending a lot of energy. So, exactly. you know, you got that. But then if you stop to sleep and you're out there and below zero temperatures, do the sweat just freeze on you? I mean, how, how do you stay warm?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's very very cold. Um during the day you're uh, close to 0 at, at night, you know, it's it gets well below 0. But you're pounding food. I'm eating food constantly. I'm eating my beef sticks, just chomping on beef sticks and uh rage bars. They're like 700 calorie bars. You're wow. just pound, you're pounding food continuously. Every hour you're you're pounding food, drinking electrolytes water. So and then you're just expending heat and so cold isn't really a problem until you stop and until like on day two and day seven were the cold days there it was a bad blizzard and that was cold and you have to when it gets below really into the negatives, negative negative negatives, 20 below there then then you got to be worried about cold uh but when it's close to zero above you know uh, i'm fine just going and it feels comfortable your body adapts. But when it gets really, really cold, then you gotta worry. You gotta say, do I need to stop? Do I need to sleep in my get my uh my bivy or my sleeping bag? And so yeah.
0: Well don't you do that every night? Don't you sleep some?
1: Uh yeah, I mean I was doing uh probably two hours, two and a half hours a night um of sleep. Wow. Uh just I would you you know you really just go until you pass out almost. Um and so I would just be run and hike until I was wobbling so much because you get to a point where you're so sleep deprived that even if you get two hours, you're going to wake up and you're exhausted and you don't have time to just sleep. You don't have time for that because you have cutoff times. And you just got to be moving continuously.
0: That makes it even more of a, an achievement. I don't know if you know him, but Rich Froning Jr., he's an American professional CrossFit athlete. He was known for participating in the CrossFit Games. In fact, he became the first person to win the title of Fittest Man on Earth, like four times (laughs) with his first place finish in 2011, 12, 13, 14, and in the CrossFit Games. But he said, quote, in training, you listen to your body. In competition, you tell your body to shut up.
1: (laughs) That's great. Um, I love that.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because it sounds like, you know, when you're out there, you're just pushing. I mean, if you're getting, you're putting that much energy out and then you're only allowing yourself two hours of sleep at night. That's like crazy making stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. I love that quote. For sure. You listen to your body when you're training. And when you're out there, you definitely tell it to shut
0: up and (laughs) you just keep moving forward. Do you have any stories on the trail? Definitely. What what was the best part of the trail to you? The part you enjoyed the most?
1: (laughs) When you say that, it's hard because when I think back over a month ago to the race, the only things I really remember are the hard moments. And, you know, I guess those are the fun moments because you triumph over those hard moments. But uh, definitely, specifically, I remember day two and day seven very vividly. And the whole thing was great. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous, and you actually get to see the uh, the dog sleds because uh, you start a week before the the actual oh. iconic Iditarod, and you're on the trail of the Iditarod, and so they literally pass by you. So you, that's the first time I've ever seen a dog that's sled. That's
0: super cool.
1: Yep. Uh, but uh, that was on day seven, and that was probably my worst day. And they they were on the the very thin trail that I was on, and It was at 2 a.m. that they were all busting through. Every 10 minutes, there was a dog sled. And this trail is so thin and the weather was terrible and it's super foggy and uh, negative temperatures. And I was having to jump off the trail every 10 minutes. So I was kind of getting mad at these dog sleds, but it was was, uh, super unique and cool. Um, And then on day two, uh, that was when I first started. It was like between day one and two. I specifically remember... When I was on the Susitna River because the weather was terrible. I just crossed this marsh that was just, you know, you're getting snow to your knees at every step. And so I was kind of getting frustrated. You're on mile like 50 ish. And so you're very early in the race because this is 350 miles. And I had just started kind of coming into the darkness, getting very, very cold. And um, there was sleet coming and hitting your face and creating these icicles on your eyes. Um, so every time you blinked, and your eyes would kind of lock, and you're opening your eyes, and wind was just smacking you in the face, and
0: it was getting very is this, dark. Is this fun to you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> eventually it becomes fun, you know, uh, but this moment was definitely not fun. Uh, okay, go on with your story. <laughs> yeah so anyways uh it was coming to about midnight getting dark that night i actually we actually saw the northern lights because when it gets really cold you can actually Ooh. see the northern lights so that was cool um but anyways it was after we saw the northern lights for a glimpse uh, a blizzard rolled in and it was crazy snow and it created a snow drift and you couldn't see the trail and mind you, there's not trail markers. You're literally on a GPS saying, this is my waypoint. I need to go that direction. And oh. so most of the time, it's not, you can't just go straight to a checkpoint. You have to, most of the time, follow a snowmobile trail or something like that um, to get to the checkpoints. And so there's no trails because the snow blizzard just covered everything. And Ow. and so it's just complete whiteness complete silence other than this crazy wind and um you're saying i need to go to this point but how do i get there and i was looking at the river i was like i need to get to the river and so i crossed this marsh going every step to my past my knees even with snowshoes and uh, get to the river and thinking that it might be better because it might be harder packed uh, being on ice But it was even worse, clear up to my hip even. Um, And I was getting so frustrated because I I was going through this super deep snow in this hard weather for about five hours or so.
0: Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you have the stamina to do that. I mean, truly, I have done that in snowshoeing before and been out there. And once you start getting between knee and thigh, like to... Every step is a massive. I mean, you just have to use yep. your whole body to pull your leg out. So it's, I mean, it's a massive expansive energy, just expensive energy, just to take one step. Five hours would be exhausting.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it was exhausting. I was getting frustrated because I knew this was very early in the race. I needed to save energy. This was not supposed to happen. You're just supposed to be cruising all the way to, to get in that mile 55 at this roadhouse and get warmed up. But. I was, you know, I was hoping I could make it, but it was getting dark and colder, and I was kind of losing a little bit of hope. And I hadn't camped out there yet because it was the first night, so I had no experience with that. And I had this new tent that I hadn't really practiced setting up very well, and so I was nervous about it. And especially in the conditions that we were in. And uh, luckily, when I got to the Susitna, I looked back and I saw a light, and it was another runner. And so I waited for this other runner and it happened to be this guy named Russ Rainbolt. He was an ER doc and he was also struggling, just kind of cussing at himself with trail trets. That's a real thing. Uh, (laughs) He was telling me, he's like, I'm struggling, like, I'm not going to make it. And so I was like, yeah, well, let's set up this tent. So luckily he was there. We could put two heads together, set up this tent, rookie move to do it on a river. You never want to set up a tent in the middle of a blizzard in negative temperatures on a river, on a frozen river. Never do that. That's a rookie move. But we really couldn't get to the sides where the forest was because it's a huge river that's just sitting as like half a mile wide. I don't mm. know, and you can't really get to the sides, especially, you know, waist deep snow. So we just dug it out, set up the tent. We jumped in there and Mind you this this weather's just insane. just. Whoosh. We jumped in there, set up our sleeping bag, just jumped instantly in those because I was shivering. And I did another rookie thing. I threw off my shoes, got in my sleeping bag, and forgot my sleeping pad.
0: Yeah, no insulation.
1: <laughs> no insulation. And I was even though my I have a you know 800 fill sleeping bag and an 800 fill jacket uh, that stuff smashes and just me in the ice. And so for three hours before sunrise, I was just shivering, um, and I I didn't sleep at all. I didn't sleep at all, and I was just shivering all night. I was like, "This is crazy. This is only day one. I'm not going to make it." And that was my thought process. And uh, luckily, the sun came up. And whenever, the you know the it's always darkest before the dawn. Sun came up, and the, the docky slept like an angel. He got up, and he's <laughs> like, "All right, I'm." I'm heading out. You're like, <laughs> I was like, what the I, I lift my head out the tent. And I'm like, can you grab my sleeping pad? <laughs> and He grabbed the sleeping pad. I laid the sleeping pad out, slept for two hours on the sleeping pad. And, you know, I was a new man after that. And I got up and it was still it was snowing really hard, but once you get a little bit of rest and I was ready to battle the elements. And by then a lot of runners had passed. So they kind of created a little bit of a trail. So that made the difference too.
0: That's an advantage. Being being first or being in front is definitely the disadvantage of having to navigate it all yourself. Definitely. Oh, wow. Well, yeah, that takes us right there to the trail. I hope it got better from there.
1: Yep, definitely.
0: So you've been invited to do the um, ITI 1000 next year. Um, are you going to do it? Um,
1: that's a great question. I really want to do it. I'm applying to medical school so I'm currently in the 2022 medical school cycle and um, so it depends on medical school if I can get accepted and things work out that way. Also my wife and making sure she's okay with it. You know, she doesn't always enjoy me risking my life in Alaska. So we'll right? see. I, I would I would love to do it though. A thousand like,
0: miles, that's like three times more than three times. Well not more, oh, yeah. but three times what you've done already. Can you even imagine that? What would Except, that be like?
1: It would be a blast. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no wonder your wife doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> you know, I admire you. I admire your stamina both mentally and physically. Um congratulations that you made it. Thank you. What suggestions do you have for people for stamina to push through hard things? Like, what what tricks do you use to be able to do that? For me, I would
1: say two things. First of all, just know it gets better, and the more work you put in, uh, you grow exponentially. Like running, I was I wasn't even running five miles before I started running, and then it just it's just an exponential growth if you put in the work and if you do things right. And then secondly, I think that in the moment, just know that you know, your mind kind of goes through high highs and low lows to push through the low lows and get into usually the first 30 minutes of exercise, at least for me, is extremely difficult. A lot of resistance. And even when you start something new, there's a lot of resistance until you build that implicit procedural memory um, where you can just go out and say, I'm going to go for a 10 mile run. And it's just like nothing. Uh, But that build up to that moment is very resistant, heavy, uh, but resistance is good. That's how you build
0: strength. Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, but if you can get past that, then it's a beautiful thing. And I say that make everything a game. You know, it's an adventure.
0: You know, that's great advice. And both of your points are very wise. That you know, whenever we're doing hard things that we haven't done before, we that we don't have that muscle memory on, or that you know those those mental pathways developed. There's going to be a ton of resistance, but it's that resistance that gives us the strength that, you know, that, that is the strength building. So I, I like those ideas a lot. Definitely. Final thoughts, suggestions you want to leave or anything you want to say about your experience on the Iditarod trail.
1: I, I do want to say that I really, really, really enjoyed the ITI community. I can't say enough good things about the race director and all of the people that put on the race compared to other races um, and ultras that i've done which are very very strict and almost over strict Uh, this is a very not laid back but they're very personable real people and they really care about your success so i I love the iti family i just love it
0: that's awesome thank you so much and if you decide to do the 1000 yeah, lots of luck and and stamina and good wishes and cheering. How does your family feel about you, like being out there? Is your mom worried about you?
1: Oh, I'm sure. I I usually try not to tell her until <laughs> don't tell you know, her what I, you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, usually when I tell her, she's the one that uh, helps us. You know, she buys me a hotel and all that. So I eventually give in and tell her. So. <laughs>
0: For that hotel room <laughs> the night before the big run. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here, Austin. Good luck yeah. on your runs.
1: Thank
0: you. Have a Kay. good day. Bye-bye. Oh, While we may not all be ready to hop on a plane to Alaska to traverse the frozen tundra for hundreds of miles unsupported, we each have challenging paths in our own ways. Hearing stories of how people embrace these types of physical challenges Serves as motivation, an example for what it looks like to really put your whole heart and soul into self discipline and focus and pushing yourself and being strong when everything in you wants to quit, when that resistance just rears up. Now, for one person, it may be on a physical level. And for another person, it may be an emotional challenge or a mental challenge. And sometimes it's both or all three. I want to thank Austin for sharing his story because it's a beautiful example of the importance of attitude. I hit a couple of times on how much I loved his attitude, the idea that the people who are successful are the ones who believe that things can be done, who have a good sense of self, and they go out and tackle things. That's where so much of that success lies, is in the stories we're telling ourselves about ourselves and about the challenges and things that come up. And I think he's also been an excellent example of not being afraid of really hard things and knowing that you can push through of also realizing the wisdom of in the moment, things might hurt, but the continuing on, um, it gets easier and it gets easier as we learn and grow and adjust. Thank you, Austin, for sharing your story and you guys have a great week as we sign off. Here's a word from our show sponsor, the 21 Life Connection Challenges that can help you and your people, the people you work with or live with or play with, join together for personal growth and connection in doing these 21 challenges together.
1: This show is brought to you by the 21 Challenges Group Platform. If you are a leader of a group, any type of group, book club, network marketing, employee group, a youth group, a friend group, and you're in need of a fun, fresh, positive way to connect during this disconnected time, we've got an online program that'll create fun, stretching connection and engagement with your team. Your team will get a fully immersive platform for the 21 Challenges and weekly coaching with Lori Lee as we spend three weeks creating awesome possibility loveyourstorypodcast.com and look for the group
0: link. We'll see you in two weeks for the next episode of the Love Your Story podcast.